can't believe you're outing me as gay on this podcast. I'm so sorry. I You can cut this out. You <laughs> don't have to know. <laughs> Hello, my name is Nia, and welcome to Not As Young Adult, a podcast where I, an emotionally stunted 21-year-old, talk about what makes YA books, movies, TV shows, etc. so appealing to people of all ages, even adults. Now, from Gossip Girl to Girl Meets World, if there's anything that all teen-focused shows have in common, it's mess. All YA and YA-adjacent shows are incredibly messy. These episodes aren't really scripted. But if you were to create a drinking game to this one, don't take a shot every time I say mess or messy. Do not do that. (laughs) This week, I've invited one of my amazing and fantastic friends, Ani, to talk about some of the messiest YA shows that we're watching. Ani, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, hi, I'm Ani. Um, Really glad to be here. Really embarrassed to say that I watch all of these shows. You may be watching these shows, but I'm the one making a podcast about them. So who's the real loser? I think both of us in this case. I don't think there's any winners. I've invited you on today because we have like a joke that you are the only person with correct Gossip Girl opinions. And right now we are putting them to the test. Oh God. So since the first season-ish of Gossip Girl has all released now, Ani, what are your thoughts on Gossip Girl? Oh my God. I don't know how it made it past the like planning stages. What an awful show. It just, it's like one of those things where it's meant specifically to capitalize off of like nostalgia but, like, also drawn a new audience because it's, like, woke, so it's got people of color in the show. But it really just seems like they had an idea and a dream and no critical thought about anything ever. That's how I feel about the show. <laughs> Do you think it succeeded at being, quote-unquote, woke? Oh, God, no. Like... The thing that was supposed to make people want to get into it and like the way that it's supposed to be woke is that there are people of color. You have two black girls um, and an Asian man in the main cast. Uh, Zoya, Julian, and Aki are all people of color. And then you have um, a, I think he's pan. He might be bi. One of the two, uh, Max. And so that's like, oh, we have LGBT characters and like, They're still rich and obnoxious, but they're rich and obnoxious and they look like us when it's like, okay, this is, uh, What about Monet and Luna? Aren't they part of the main cast too? Oh, yes. Oh my God. They, that should say something. They don't have enough screen time for the most part to, for me to even remember. Uh, So there's three black girls. There's also Monet. um, And Luna is Mexican, if I remember correctly. Um, and Monet is a lesbian. Yeah. I think so, is also, I think her actress is trans. And I think um, one of the writers said that the character was trans can- canonically in the show. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. They've never talked about it. So I wouldn't have known that. But that's cool. Um, so I actually, that's makes it more interesting. But it's just, it's a lot of surface level representation. Which I guess is to be expected because they're supposed to be the 1%. So like what does the 1% really know about struggle, even if you're a minority? But it's still like, I don't know. 
me and one of my dear friends and mutuals, uh, KJ, always talk about how the show never really seems to want to commit to anything. And that includes like diversity, because even Zoya, who's supposed to be like different because she's poor um, and not part of the one percent. Um, and she's supposed to be like woke and really into activism. You don't ever see her doing any of it. She just talks a lot about it. So it's just interesting that like they'll make these plot points, but they don't ever really seem to follow up on it. So it's very, um, it's woke if you are conservative and woke is just having people of color to begin with, you know? Yeah, that completely makes sense. I mean, like, did you watch the original Gossip Girl way back when? I watched up to season two, and then after season two, I was like, I just... The one thing that Gossip Girl Reboot has that keeps me tuning in every week is at least there's people of color. Gossip Girl didn't have that. So Gossip Girl was messy with, like, bad writing, and then on top of that, there's just... No people of color. And I'm like, if I wanted to watch crazy white people, I would, I don't know, go outside. So I've seen it. I'm familiar with it. I've since started watching the Gossip Girl reboot. Uh, the internet, because it tracks everything we do, uh, has been exclusively advertising me Gossip Girl clips. So I've been watching a lot of Gossip Girl clips when I've run out of other things to watch. Yeah, I feel like so many, I watched so many shows through YouTube clips alone, like right after I started watching like a somehow related show this is a tangent but also like stop using my data like this back on topic so like we're talking about gossip girl now like if you were to if you were hypothetically like in the gossip girl writer's room like how would you do it differently well first of all if they wanted to have i guess this is all spoilers for gossip girl if you haven't seen the reboot don't listen to this part of the podcast um but if i was in the writer's room I wouldn't have made the teachers gossip girl if they weren't planning on villainizing the teachers because I think they were trying to correct the original gossip girl's mistake, which is that they never said who gossip girl was till the last episode and Dan being gossip girl didn't make a ton of sense. So they were like, okay, for the reboot, we're going to have an established gossip girl. Everyone's going to know who gossip girl is or the viewers will not the characters, but these are grown adults like bullying kids and then the show tries to make you sympathize with them and it's really weird because in no world am I sympathizing with you know a 30 year old woman who decides to get on the internet and bully a 14 year old like I don't care that she's spoiled and has money she's a freshman in high school who wasn't awful as a freshman in high school you're an adult you have the option to get another job to form a union like there's so many different ways to handle it and they decide to bully children and then we're supposed to feel bad for them because the children are mean like okay and also I just like really want to know why none of the gossip girl writers thought about the fact that you have a white woman bullying two like the two main targets of the Gossip Girl count are both Zoya and Julian, who are both black. So you have a white woman, an adult white woman, bullying two young black girls. And nobody seemed to think about the implications of that when you're creating a universe within like the US. Like no one thought about the racial dynamics of having, 
you know, a, like a grown woman and a white woman bullying like little black girls like that's not already what society does like they didn't grow up hearing a million different things if this is supposed to like be our world if this was supposed to be exactly as if like this is happening in our world these girls would have faced racism very clearly at very young age they would have faced racism as you know young black women in this world between even if they are rich because there's still gonna be racism within the one percent especially in the one percent um and so it's just like I think that would be like the first thing that I would change is that if you want to have the teachers be the villains make them the villains stop trying to make me sympathize with them because it's not working and all it does is make me feel weird because you have grown men taking pictures of underage kids while they're getting undressed like And then we're supposed to feel bad for them because the kids are rude? Like, you're creepy. That's child porn. It's so bad because, again, they don't want to stick. Like, they don't want to stick to anything and to really drive home any sort of points. They want to kind of do everything without doing anything. And so they have this student-teacher relationship And in the beginning, it's very glamorized. It's like, oh, it's sexy. It's fun. Will they? Won't they? And then you find out that he's like, you find out that he's like a legit predator. Like, I mean, he's a predator regardless, but you find out like this man has had a history of finding seniors to date. And then Max is like, I want nothing to do with you. Like, this is creepy. It's very clear he's isolating him from all of his friends. Like, Rafa's not a good guy. He's disgusting and then his max's parents find out because after max breaks up with rafa rafa tries to go on a date with his dad to piss max off because max has two gay dads and his so his dad knows that he's been involved with his teacher and his dad is just like oh be careful like I'm sorry, you're this child's parent and you find out that your 17-year-old son has been sleeping with his much older teacher who is very clearly manipulative because he called you on a date citing that he was worried about Max. He hit him up through fantasy, not fantasy, but like Gossip Girl's version of Grinder, and was like, I'm really worried about Max. We should get together and talk about it. And then they get together and he doesn't talk about Max the entire time and then sends Max a picture of them hanging out. And so it's very clear that he's a manipulator. And his dad is just like, be careful. Like, you're not going to call the police. You can call the cops. You can have this man fired. That's the whole reason they start Gossip Girls, that these rich kids have teachers fired all the time for no reason so you're telling me that this grown man is having sex with your son and you're not gonna get him at the very least fired it's weird so one thing i definitely wanted to touch on was that before gossip girl premiered there was a lot of conversation on the internet about like who this new iteration of gossip girl is for is it for the original fans of gossip girl or today's teens it's it's one of those things where they're trying to do both and i think they originally wanted it to be for gossip girl fans 
no one from the original Gossip Girl has come back except for Kristen Bell, who does voiceovers because she was the voice of Gossip Girl in the show. So she does the voice of Gossip Girl in the reboot. So, but they make references to the old characters uh, semi-frequently. So I think it's, it was originally meant to be for people who originally watched it um, and hopefully trying to draw on a new audience with the fact that there's people of color and gay people um, on the show. But, you know, not everything goes to plan. If you've never seen the show, you could definitely watch the reboot. But it feels like they are trying to capitalize off of nostalgia specifically. Um, But having it be, you know, they're trying to do what iCarly did, but not as well. Yeah. In my opinion. On the topic of like capitalizing off nostalgia and like even like, you know, bringing in iCarly too. Like there has been this trend in recent years of like reviving or like rebooting like older properties and making it like maybe like making it more mature more adult darker sexier edgier you can see it through like Riverdale or like Nancy Drew and like it's even in like High School Musical the musical the series I mean they have curse words in there they didn't have curse words in the High School Musical movie they have curse words in the High School Musical the musical the series in season one there was a girl who said shit and it was bleeped out I do remember that (laughs) when I was convincing my best friend to watch High School Musical the musical the series because I love that show um, I did fall for the nostalgia aspect of that show, but I also think it's such a fun concept. It's if Glee was Disney, um, and but like slightly less cringe because well, I mean not cringe, but slightly less problematic because Disney uh, knows they can't get away with some of the things that the original Glee did. Um, but we looked up parent ratings for High School Musical the Musical the series, and apparently parents like on the internet were like this show is so mature like I wouldn't let my 13 year old watch it it's all like it was exclusively like almost exclusively rated 16 and up which I thought was really interesting because besides like that one vague like bleeped out curse word there it's still very much so a Disney show there's not really mature themes but people were like insistent that you had to be like an older teen to watch it and I thought that was really interesting my young, my very young cousins, they love High School Musical, the musical, the series. It's very much like a family-ish show. Yeah. I mean, like, teen shows, they exist on a spectrum, and, like, one end is Disney, and, like, the other end is, is HBO, and, like, right in the middle is, like, the CW in Freeform. Yeah. And High School Musical, the musical series, is, like, very much on the Disney end of the spectrum. Part of it could have been homophobia, because there is explicitly gay characters, so that definitely could have probably that probably bumped it up a little bit because you know it's Disney, which is why we have so many first gay Disney characters. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was just so interesting because it, it is very much so a family friendly show. Yeah, it's interesting because well, I wouldn't say I like it because some of the choices they made this past season were not great. But I know, uh, I guess I liked it because I felt like. For like a Disney show and for like a teen show in general, it feels very grounded in a, but still like extremely messy in a way that like teenagers often are like, you know, a lot of teenagers, their drama isn't, you know, Gossip Girl and like getting stalked or murder or whatever. It's high school theater. I started out hate watching it. And 
now I can say that I do tune in to watch it because I enjoy it. But also just because I feel like whether the writers meant to or not, there's definitely some uh, parallels between <laughs> Nini and Ricky and Olivia Rodrigo and Joshua Bassett. It's so funny. And uh, that keeps me coming back every week. I just want to know what weird reference that they are they going to make that very closely aligns to things. Um, like they call him like Harry Styles a couple times on the show. And Joshua Bassett had that whole thing where he came out by saying he thought Harry Styles was really hot. And it's just it's so interesting to me. I'm like, I wonder if this is intentional. Probably not. But I'm having a great time. To a degree. It has There has to be some jokes in there. But also like on the topic of hate watching, I hate. I think I started off hate watching it too, but it's like the kind of show where I really hate, but I kind of enjoy it. Yeah. I kind of hate watching. Uh, well, that's how I watch a lot of shows is I start off being like, this absolutely sucks. And then I'm like, I'm going to tune into it anyways. And I'm like, uh, this is, I'm no longer hate watching it. I don't feel that way about Gossip Girl. I absolutely am hate watching Gossip Girl. I absolutely hate that show. <laughs> I mean, like, a lot of, like, people our age and older, like, they do very much tune into, you know, teenager TV shows-ish to Kate watch it. Because a lot of the, because, like, I guess it's a very hateable demographic. I don't know a better way to say it, but a lot of people do very much hate those shows and hate watch it. Gossip Girl is bad, though. I would not recommend it to anyone. I haven't seen Gossip Girl, but... Again, because so many of my friends are watching it and the algorithm, I keep watching clips on YouTube... It's one of those shows that's absolutely insane, but, like, not in a way that's enjoyable. At least not to me and my homegirls. None of us are enjoying it. We're watching it and we're like, how how did this make it to TV? Like, why, how, wh- why did people sign up, sign off on this? It's a lot. And it's messy but not always in an enjoyable way. There are certain messy parts of it that are really good. And then there are other messy parts of it that just don't work. Like Max is very open about being pan, which I think is great. It's great to have LGBT characters who are so open about like being gay, being trans. Like that's important. We need to see more explicit representation. But Max kind of falls into that slutty by character stereotype. Like he sleeps around a lot. Like he's no well known in gay circles for like being a really good fuck. And he's 17. He's also sleeping with adults a lot of times. Or not a lot of times, but like they've established that this is something that's happened and like no one thinks it's super weird and it's just it's not great. Um and then Max also kind of interferes with one of the other couples, Aki and Audrey. They're having like a lot of issues and a lot of their issues have to do with like sex, which is another thing that's super uncomfortable. Not because I don't think that we should talk about teens having sex because it is something that happens, but there's just so many scenes where it's just them having sex. And I'm like, I don't need to watch a two minute scene of these two like 16 year olds having sex. No part of me wants to watch this. Um, especially like they're 
having like bad sex and it's really weird and uncomfortable but because they're having all of this all these problems max intervenes uh he sleeps with audrey after she gets in a really big fight with aki and also while max is trying to get together with rafa the teacher um he makes out with aki in a bathhouse while they're naked and then aki has a gay crisis which honestly relatable because who hasn't been there where you make out with someone and you're like hmm maybe i'm gay you know, that might not be relatable to people who aren't gay, but <laughs> we don't have time to unpack all of that. <laughs> the Aki and Audrey stuff being like extremely uncomfortable because like, I feel like w- there's this interesting thing that like I kind of get with like teen-ish TV shows where like, I'm okay with them like committing murder or whatever. Like that's fine with me. But like, if they have like a weird ass sex scene, I'm like, nope, gotta get out of here. It's such a weird trend because we went from TV shows not showing like teens having sex at all. Or if it was, it was only portrayed as like you get pregnant and that character has ruined their life. And that's why abstinence is the only thing that like it's the only thing that should be happening if you're a teenager to like super graphic sex scenes. And it's really weird. Because the characters are minors. TV shows get away with it because they're like, oh, the actors are adults, but also these characters are minors. I don't need to see two 16-year-olds, like, graphically engaging in, I don't know, sex. I was going to say cunnilingus, but that felt inappropriate. (laughs) Yeah, it's just just like sex happens. Like, we can all acknowledge that. But I feel like shows like Gossip Girl and to a degree Euphoria... How do this thing where where like they kind of like bank all of their marketing on oh my god yeah. this is so this is so sexy look at these teens being real teens having a bunch of fucking sex and just yeah don't don't even get me started on Euphoria because I think Kat's storyline in Euphoria is so disgusting because she's a minor who's doing sex work and it's framed as like girl boss and feminist instead of like this is scary. Like, why does a 16-year-old feel that the only way to get respect and to feel confident is to be a cam girl? Or there's, like, a scene where she has sex with, like, a a 19, 20-year-old guy. And then after they're done, he's like, oh, did you have a good time? And she's like, no, I didn't come. And then walks away. And it's, like, this supposed to be this girl boss moment. And I'm like, that's not girl boss. That's incredibly, like, sad this should be like a cautionary tale but she's constantly like as a viewer you're supposed to feel like wow this is so empowering she's so empowered and it's creepy and I have a lot of issues with euphoria and the way they handle sex with minors and it's just it's so uncomfortable because a lot of times it's not it's still portrayed as sexy there's no sort of like self-awareness of the fact that even though it's marketed as an adult show, teens are going to watch this because it's based in a high school. And all you're doing is you're telling young people who are watching this show, it's okay to engage in sex work as a 16, 17-year-old because it's girl boss, because it's feminist, because you're taking back your sexuality from men. And it's that's not the case. You're subjugating women 
and children to engaging in inappropriate acts that will more than often, more times than not, lead to these children getting abused. The fact that Kat is frequently having sex with, like, men who are older than her is scary. The fact that they posted a video of her engaging in sex acts on Pornhub, Pornhub, like... It's a sad thing, but then it becomes an empowering thing because she takes back that power and, and starts posting her own work on Pornhub. And it's like, that's not good. That's scary. That's traumatizing. Why is this show not emphasizing the fact that this is traumatizing? And uh, euphoria, gossip girl, stuff like that just makes me sad because it even when they say it's not marketed towards teens, because it's about teens, teens are going to be watching. And if teens are impressionable and stupid, even when they think that they're not. I remember being 16. I thought I knew everything. I most definitely have listened to advice that I definitely should not have because it was framed as like feminist or girl boss. And like, I, that doesn't just stop with our generation. That's definitely, you know, younger Gen Z. That's going to be the next generation. And the push towards the hypersexualization of minors is so disgusting. I feel like a lot of the writers, they're like, yeah, we're creating interesting stories about real teenagers, but also ignoring the fact that these stories have a tangible effect. Like there are like 16 year old girls being like, I can't wait until I turn 18 that I can create an OnlyFans. And I'm like, that sucks. That you know, you're, you've been fed a lie by the media. I sound like a conservative talk show host right now. I'm sorry. I hate when things that are not conservative or not like right wing, whatever propaganda is framed as right wing or conservative propaganda when it's mainly just about keeping kids safe. Like you'll say that to someone and then be like, why do you hate like sexually liberated women? And it's like, but they're not women. These are teenagers these are kids these are minors and it's oh I could talk about this forever I my sociology and social justice background is definitely coming out right now because that's what I study in school and I could go on about it forever but moral of the story is if you're writing a tv show and you're putting in graphic sex scenes I hate you and I don't think you should have a job I think that's going to be the tagline for this episode because it was very well said. But um, in the interest of, you know, I want you to have fun on this podcast and not feeling like you have to talk about the terrible hypersexualization of teenagers, I'm going to pivot. I'm going to do a hard pivot now <laughs> to a show that we both very much enjoy, Nancy Drew on the CW coming back. <sighs> I, I should have I should have looked at when it's coming back for this joke, but it's coming back this fall. So Ani... What are your thoughts on Nancy Drew on The CW? Nancy Drew is one of my favorite reboots uh, that they've done because I think it's a show that keeps the core aspects of it, plays with them, but still keeps the core aspects of it. So Nancy Drew is still, you know, teen girl detective, but she's just investigating different things. She's not investigating random weird stuff going on in her town. It's like supernatural beings and like witchcraft and stuff. And it's so interesting. I'm like, oh my God, why does this random girl from Horseshoe Bay, Maine have a wraith attached to her and is dying? 
what why is this is so interesting i'm gonna keep watching also, i love nancy sorry drew. for spoilers for nancy drew but also oh like, yeah sorry <laughs> i should have apologized for spoilers like a million times before this but i don't but nancy drew is special to me so i'm gonna apologize now <laughs> oh my god that reveal was so insane i was like whoa nancy I drew is a good show yeah and they're like semi-self-aware and which i think works in its favor because they do have a somewhat diverse cast there's two people of color in the main ca- uh three three Bess yeah. is also Bess is, i think her actress is half iranian and then her the casting yeah. for her family is insane to me though insane they just said we're gonna find <laughs> anyone who's vaguely brown and we're just gonna put them in a family how are they related don't ask questions <laughs> How are they related? You figure it out. Yeah. And we've tried. I've like drawn a whole family tree in my head sometimes. And then I'm just like giving up being like, nope, this is not going to work. They didn't care to make it work. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to enjoy my gay little horror show. Yeah. And I just, I love the fact that they are somewhat aware of what they're doing. Like, is it perfect? No, because it's a CW show and I don't expect it to be perfect. If it was perfect, I would be amazed. But they're somewhat self-aware in the way that they handle things. Like, for example, Nick talks a lot about like what it's like to be a black man living in a very small white town and to be dating someone who's not the same race as him. He's dating George, who's Asian, and the complications that come with that. They're, that whole episode talking about the fact that like George doesn't want to post him on Instagram because she's afraid of what her anti-black family members are going to say is like that's a real thing that happens and it is self-aware in that sense and was the episode perfect no but I did like that they at least tried to address the fact that like yeah if this is real life there are going to be these issues and I just, I don't know. Nancy Drew is special to me. I don't know why, but it is. Nancy Drew, it falls into many like very typical teen show traps. Like it did have that like weird minor young person and like an adult relationship in season one. And they handled it semi well. Like they didn't handle it perfectly, but at least they had like a scene where George was talking to like the adult that manipulated her and was like, this was fucked up. I deserve better. Yeah. And I love, like, I love the fact that they put in that scene of being like, this wasn't okay, and this has greatly affected me. And I didn't even realize it until I tried to be involved with someone who's my own age. And I don't know how to do that because I've only been in a relationship with someone who's so much older than me. And again, not perfect because... They looked to drop the ball in season two. Yeah, it's so weird because they do something similar to Gossip Girl where he did something really bad. He was involved with a minor, but then they go the route of humanizing him in a really weird way cuz he's connected to another character. And so they kind of have to like humanize him and make you sympathize with him, and it's very weird because he is a bad guy. He was involved with a minor, at, like a 17-year-old at his big age of like 30. Um So, like, not a good guy. But they made the attempt. 
which I respect because a lot of shows do not make that attempt. Yeah. Nancy Drew is fun in that like sometimes you'll get these genuinely impactful scenes and then they also fall into this trap of like, yes, Nancy will have like a bunch of different love interests and Nick and George who are like 18 will get married. Yeah. The show is so freaking messy. But also we're going to put Nancy in the horny dress and (laughs) (laughs) like, sorry, (laughs) sorry to tell you this, but Nancy Drew, because we've given her so many love interests, we are going to have a whole episode dedicated to the fact that she has so many love interests and you're going to have to sit there and watch it. And I did. (laughs) And I enjoyed it. (laughs) It's so sad that she did not show any attraction to women, though. Right? Nancy Drew would love homosexuality. Bess and George are right there. Speaking of Bess, I don't care what anyone says. Bess and Odette, I love it. I Okay, love it is a strong word, but I enjoy it. I think it's only toxic to miserable people. <laughs> so what? She's trapped in George's body. They're so fun. That whole episode where they pretended to be engaged and talk about how they can have zebras at their wedding. Incredible. Love it. Gay people are real. There are so many terrible heterosexual ships. I think like that the gays can have best Odette. I mean, it's kind of weird that again, Odette is in George's body, but also like we got that scene where um, Madison Jayzani was kissing Leia Lewis and the actress for Odette. That was sick. Yeah. And I don't know. I think there is something to say about the fact that they also went the route to talk about consent when doing that. And in the fact that like, Odette and George had a conversation about like what things are comfortable and what things are not comfortable and what feels like George is being violated because it is scary to have someone have someone else have control of your body in both a uh, literal sense in like ghost fantasy shows and in a like a not physical sense in like real life when you have you know people in your life who control everything you do and I think it was really interesting to have that conversation surrounding consent and the fact that like there was a whole plot point about the fact that George was really upset that like Bess was involved with Odette without her knowing because it felt like her like space was being violated and they worked through it and they came to a conclusion in which this was not something that they were going to pursue because Odette is in George's body and it's weird but they still gave Bess some closure and ability to talk to Odette. And I don't know. I think Bess Odette is fun. I think if you don't like to have fun, then you don't like Bess Odette. Because they went through at least some of the hoops to make sure that this was a relationship that does not violate anyone. But also, fingers crossed that Bess gets like a love interest that stays in season three. Oh my god, please. (laughs) Someone who's not a cop and not a ghost. These are my only requirements. (laughs) I feel like the universe is going to hear that and be like, we're going to do something even worse. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. They're like going to find out they're like third cousins or something and then it's not going to work out. Like it's going to be something equally as bad and horrible. I can feel it in my bones. Nancy Drew is such a wild fucking show. One thing I wanted to ask was like, you know, like a lot of people like they kind of like consider Nancy Drew kind of like a symptom of like the Riverdaleification of media like you know how every every reboot mm-hmm. is like darker and sexier and de 
family friendly if I I mean like do you think that Nancy Drew is like another terrible victim of the Riverdale effect or do you think it's a strong show in its own right yes and no I think it is Riverdaleified because they did decide to take teen girl detective who like solves who stole the mail from Mr. Johnson's house and now she's fighting supernatural creatures but so it was Riverdale in that effect and it's also a horror show like it's not it's not a secret that Nancy Drew is to some degree a horror show. They have jump scares in it quite frequently. Um, I watched it with my little sister after like half an episode. She was like, I can't do this. This is way too scary for me. I was like, okay, I guess. Yeah, maybe it isn't actually like it is actually somewhat horror based, but I do think that they do a good job at making it a strong show because they have very clear defined like things values that they're trying to tell where Riverdale lost me is because I did watch the first season because I love bad TV. Of course I watched the first season of Riverdale. They started trying to do everything at once and there was no like core to the show because even the characters didn't really seem to like each other after a certain point and nancy drew despite having its issues and um having the riverdale effect it always comes back to the fact that these are a group of kids who want to make their town better and to make their lives better and have some sort of found family that at the end of the day they always come back to no matter how bad things get nancy has everyone else to rely on and everyone else has Nancy to rely on. And I think a lot of times where the Riverdaleification of shows loses people is they forget that like you can do absolutely insane things. The horny dress episode is absolutely insane, but you have to remember that you have to come back to a point and it has to be something that's, Good. We've mentioned the horny dress episode several times. Do you want to talk about what the horny dress episode of Nancy Drew is about? I just love that episode so much because it's such an insane concept. <laughs> so there's a dress that they found and it's like a chastity belt, but like literally. So you put a horny teenager in the dress and uh, well, it's mainly for women because it was like a Victorian dress. So, you know, feminine wiles and all of that stuff. So you put someone in this dress and they lose all ability to like be horny and to like want to like go flirt and all of that kind of stuff and so they destroy this dress and because they've destroyed it it now has the opposite effect that whatever was making this Sawa you are just so repressed you the effect makes nancy just so horny and yeah yeah, they they try to destroy the dress Nancy breathes in the fumes and then like the opposite of horny dress. Yeah. yeah. The opposite All of, of the repression dress. went somewhere and that somewhere was Nancy. Um, so now she was horny and she spends the entire episode hitting on all of the male characters in the show, except for like her dad. I, I feel like I need to point out that like in the show, Nancy drew Nancy is 18. All of the characters are like, 18. Oh Yes. They are all 18. So it's, it's okay that we keep, we keep calling her horny. But also Nancy Drew is fascinating because, like, it feels like the writers heard all of, like, the Twitter discourse about, like, why can't 
teenager why can't stories about people having sex be about 18 year olds or older and they were like yes we're all going to make them high school graduates and it's fine and then we're going to cast 33 year olds to, pe- to play nancy's love interest and also not specify how old anyone but nancy and george are like you know nancy and george are 19 because or nancy's 19 because her birthday passes in one of the episodes but you know that they're both 18 and 19 because they specifically talk about how nancy and george went to high school together all of the other characters it's established that they're over 18 there's no other statement on how old they are so like nick who's dating george could be 18 he could be 24 no one knows the actor's in his 30s so there's no real like consistency there but they definitely were like, we're not going to make high schoolers um, have sex. We're going to make adults have sex. How old are these adults? That's for me to know and you to find out. There was this tweet by one of the writers who was just like, there was a scene where like the Drew crew were all celebrating and they were drinking apple cider instead of alcohol. And like the writer was like, yeah, it was important to me to show that you can, you can have fun without alcohol to show that these to show that these people under 21 aren't doing underage drinking. So theoretically, like, George, Nancy, Bess, Ace, and Nick are all between 18 and 21. Okay. Theoretically. Theoretically. Nancy Drew is such a show. We, we should do a Nancy Drew recap podcast. I think that would be fun. I would love to do that, Nia. You give me a time and a place and I will be there and I will talk about Nancy Drew. We will be the best Nancy Drew recap podcast. I know that there's another one that exists. I'm starting the beef right now. (laughs) We would be so good. We would just gaywash all the characters and then get canceled for erasing canon sexualities of straight people, probably. And that is fine. I would love that. I would love that, too. Right. So since so since the energy is good right now, um, I think this is a nice place to kind of wind down. It's been great talking to you. But now it's time for everybody's least favorite part of the podcast, <laughs> the lightning round, where I ask my guests a series of quick questions just to see if they have any fun opinions. Ani, are you ready? I'm so ready. Number one, Obi with Zoya or Obi with Julian in Gossip Girl? <laughs> Obi by himself. He does not deserve happiness. He's done some real grimy things. Um, but I was a Zobi. I was pro Zobi until very recently. You were pro Zobi when everyone else wasn't, and then you converted very recently. Yeah, because he makes, like, he ke- keeps talking about how Zoya's changed, even though he's only known her for a month and she's 15. So, of course, she's changed. And then he makes out with her sister when they start, like, him and Zoya start having problems. He makes out with Julian because uh, he knows that she's still in love with him. So it's like, okay, OB, go somewhere. That's so gross. What a loser. Yeah, literally. Never trust a white man. Number two, in High School Musical, the musical, the series, Ricky with Nini or Ricky with Gina? Gina. Ricky and Gina. I, Ricky and Nini are have that cute, like, they've known each other since they were in preschool, but Ricky and Gina just seemed to know, like, know each other and get along really well. Um, I don't love Ricky and Gina in the second season, but pre-second season, Ricky and Gina. Number three, 
Nancy and Nick or Nancy and Ace in Nancy Drew? Nancy and Ace, because I think Nick deserves better than Nancy. Um, And also, I just think that Nick should not mess with white people anymore. It seems to be having a very uh, negative effect on his health and happiness. I think Nick and George are really cute, but I also think that Nick should kiss more boys. I feel like that is... Oh my god, yes. Nick is so gay-coded, and they're afraid of it. Nick and George are bi for bi, and the writers... They literally are. The writers are afraid. The best gay relationships in the CW are the ones they create by accident. (laughs) Why do we keep... Our energy in this podcast is insane. We're just roller-coastering. So true. Okay. (laughs) Number four, number four, would you date? Would you ever date a ghost? Okay, is this ghost in the body of another person? Let's say no, oh, because yeah. I, I can't. I don't want to think of another person for the ghost to be possessing right now. Yeah, if the ghost is not in a person, I'm down. <laughs> number five, if a gossip girl existed in real life, wh- what would she or they call you out for? Um. <laughs> Um, it would definitely be for being homophobic and then later uh, Gossip Girl would have to retract the post and be like, unfortunately, we found out that uh, she is gay. So I guess it's allowed. But I would definitely get called out for being homophobic, probably. Last question. Most important. Do you think I'm cool? Um, yes. The silence speaks volume. <laughs> I'll think you're cool if we start the Nancy Drew podcast. Yeah. That's my final answer. Well, that's all of my questions for this time around. Um, Ani, do you have any last words for your audience? Anything you'd like to promote? Um, uh, First of all, thanks for having me. I know that I love to go on tangents. Uh, so I, I love your tangents. Thank you so much. I love you. Um, And I guess if you like TTRPGs and actual plays, uh, you can follow my podcast that's coming out in the winter on twitter it's at warding bond um i play with um a bunch of people including nia's girlfriend so it's all really cool people uh and you should check it out (laughs) all right well thank you ani for coming on i guess it's uh time to say goodbye um as a reminder episodes drop every other thursday please give this podcast a rating and review on apple podcasts if you're into that sort of thing And until next time, I'm Nia reminding you that all YA shows are better when girls kiss ghosts. So true.